0: I think it's really listening, like active listening, hearing what someone is saying and also not just providing the answer to someone but empowering them and talking through with them how they can face their own challenges. Three, two, one, hey.
1: Welcome to Lawyers Who Leave, a podcast that challenges the notion that the law lags behind. I'm your host, Seagal Barnes. Each week, I invite a lawyer who's making powerful changes through extraordinary leadership. In each episode, we'll travel through another lawyer's life, identify what they do best, and then devise how to apply these concepts to your own world. So let's get to it. Welcome to Lawyers Who Lead. I'm your host, Seagal Barnes. Our guest today is a lawyer who's directly impacting the way tens of thousands of attorneys across the U.S. learn and grow in their personal and professional lives. She's the director of attorney education and development at Lawline, where she develops the content strategy for Lawline's entire online course offering. Just to put that into perspective, that's almost 2,000 hours of online content. She's also a member of the Association for Continuing Legal Education, where she speaks on program planning as well as serves on the planning committee and co chairs special interest groups. Welcome our next lawyer who leads and one of my favorite colleagues at Lawline, Angelica Cesario. Angelica, thank you so much for being here today.
0: Thank you for having me. Thank you for that amazing introduction. I really appreciate it.
1: Of course, and it's all truth. I mean, you and I, we've been working together at Lawline for what, like over five years now, can you believe it?
0: Mhm. when you're having fun.
1: I, it really, it, yes, it's <laughs> yeah. so true. And and in that time, you've ach- achieved like so many incredible things. And I am so excited to get into that. But before we do that, I want to rewind just a little bit. Tell me a little bit about what brought you to Lawline in the first place. What did that journey look like for you?
0: It's a great question. So before joining Lawline, I was a labor and employment attorney representing labor unions and individual employees at a labor law firm in new york city and i was looking for a change i knew i was going to be starting a family soon and i wanted something that was a little bit outside the hustle of billable hours and make a lifestyle change but i still wanted to be close to the law i wanted to still be learning every day and be challenged and stay connected to what I love and what brought me to law school. And I came across this posting on LinkedIn it was program attorney. And it's like, huh, sounds interesting. I like the job description. I submitted my resume, had a phone call with you um, <laughs> and it went really well. And I was like, okay, cool. Like she was really nice, really easy to talk to. This seems like a place. Where I could see myself. And then, you know, we had the interview, went through the process, I met more and more people. And everyone that I liked, I just really enjoyed speaking with. And then when I learned more about what Lawline does, and like, okay, wow, this is an organization, you know, it's not just about CLE, but they actually really care about educating attorneys. And I've always had a background in education, too, and an interest in that. And so kind of was just the best of both worlds. And then I started, like you said, over five years ago. And from there, it's it's really only been up and I continue to learn every day, which is something I really love about being here.
1: Yeah, I remember that first conversation with you, and I was like, this woman is lovely. She <laughs> has all the things already that I can tell will be so successful here. And then, of course, we met you in the interview, and it just kept getting better and better. But one thing I didn't know that you just mentioned was that you had a background in education. I might have known that when we were first in the interview process, but it's been a few years. Tell me a little bit about that, that background.
0: So, I mean, when I was in middle school, I joined an organization called the Teak Fellowship. It's over 20 years old at this point now, dating myself a little bit. I was in the first class. And so that was an organization really designed to help low-income students in New York City go to some of the best schools in the city, best colleges. And it really helped me in my journey. And it really started my interest in education. And for a while... In college, I thought that I wanted to be a teacher. It's like, oh, I love education. I see what it's done for me and how it's really helped open doors. You know, I was the first in my family to go to college, graduate from college, first to go to graduate school. I consider myself really lucky to have gone to really good schools to and worked really hard for that. and I was like, I wanna give back and I wanna be a teacher too. In college for a summer, I did a program called Summer Bridge, which has student teachers. And so uh, I'm from New York City, but I spent a summer in California teaching middle schoolers in a similar program to help them sort of achieve and get to some of the top schools in San Francisco. I really loved it. But I was also really involved in like social justice issues and advocacy as well. So ultimately, I chose law school as a path instead, which I think is just another vehicle for change. There are different ways to do that. And law school, I saw as a way of going and making policy changes. But I never lost my passion for education. And so it's something I like Continue to always be involved with. Eventually I joined the board of the Teak Fellowship and I was the first alum of the program to join the board, which was really, really exciting. I was sort of able to pass that on and there's now other alums on the board of the Teak Fellowship as well. And I still, I'm still involved in that because education has done so much for me. So this is like Full circle because it's the best of both worlds that I get to be involved in the law, which I love, but also marry that with education too. And what, what did that some of that work look like? Lots of volunteer opportunities over the years. So helping students with mock interviews for high school and for college, practicing handshakes with students, um, how to make eye contact. You know, giving them tips on what to wear to a formal interview, helping with the admissions process, helping translate for parents who are only Spanish speakers. I served as a mentor for the Teague Fellowship as well, which is a five to six year commitment where you mentor an incoming junior high school student. And then you stay with them as they enter high school and apply for college, which was just like so amazing and such an honor to be able to be a mentor to a young student and really just see them thrive. And, you know, every year she would invite me to her dance concerts at school and I got to meet her mom and grandmother. She's now in college and I'm just like so proud of of what she's accomplished over the time.
1: That's incredible, Angelica. You're seriously making such an impact through your work outside of Lawline. I, I know a lot of what you do inside of Lawline, but to hear all this amazing stuff that you're doing outside as well, I just, I'm, I'm kind of blown away right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I feel like it's the least I can do. The program has done so much for me. And, you know, I've always been taught and really believe in giving back and doing the same for others. You know, you don't just you don't just achieve and then keep going. You always have to look back and make sure you're keeping those doors open.
1: Absolutely wise words. Tell me, how was the lawline position aligning with those beliefs?
0: Yeah, I mean, I still see it playing a part every day. I think at lawline, we serve attorneys and we serve the legal profession. We have a really critical role to play in educating attorneys so that they then can take what they learn to help their clients, right? Every attorney, regardless of whether they're at a small nonprofit organization or a big law firm, they all have a common goal. They want to achieve something for their client and help their client to succeed And we play a really big part in that, like the courses and the content that we create really helps attorneys in that journey. And that's really how I see our role. We are serving the legal profession and hopefully making it better along the way too. you know, with some of the content we're creating, like our diversity, equity and inclusion content, our attorney well-being content that not just serves an attorney's education, but also like who they are. As people, if someone watches a course and they take one thing away and then they go back to their firm or nonprofit or government agency or a lawyer friend that they know and then teach that person, then they teach that person. And so, you know, we have that power to make an impact. Incredible.
1: Lawline has tens of thousands of attorneys across the entire country in various different states, various different requirements, various different needs, practice areas. So how do you do content strategy around so many different people and so many different practice areas? Talk me through that. What are some of the processes that you go through when you're creating a strategy for all of these different attorneys' educational needs?
0: Yeah, well, first off, I can't take credit for it because I have an amazing team that I am so fortunate to work with every day. But essentially what we do is, you know, we really take a holistic look every year and on an ongoing basis at how attorneys are consuming our content. I think that's the the place to start, you know. What are attorneys watching the most? What are they telling us they want more of? What types of organizations do they work with? What's happening in the world around us? Right? There's, you know, of course we have continuing legal education requirements, but none of this is happening in a vacuum. We're all learning in the real world, in the context of what's happening around us. So really we're gathering all of those insights, right? Attorney behavior, requests from our customers. You know, if if nothing else, that's one of the most important. We wanna make sure we're hearing our attorneys and providing them the content that they need and want every day on an ongoing basis. Um, And then we're also trying to anticipate trends in the industry too. And we always wanna be ahead of the curve. We wanna be staying up to date and anticipating. So we have conversations with our faculty too. Our faculty are the attorneys who teach our courses. We have, we're lucky enough to have a faculty roster of over 1500 attorneys. And they're the people on the ground day-to-day who are practicing and we're having conversations with them too, where they're telling us, you know, okay, that idea sounds good, but last week this happened or last week I had a conversation with so-and-so and and like, okay, wow, that's really insightful. If you're telling us this, other people are experiencing this as well. So we use all of that to create our strategy and determine what programming we're going to create in the coming months and coming year and I think one thing that distinguishes law line, too, is all of our program attorneys, the people creating our programs, are attorneys. So they have experience practicing law. They understand the experience, the benefits of being an attorney and all that brings, but also the challenges that attorneys face, too. And so they're bringing their real-world experience with them every day as well.
1: So I want to shift a little bit. You have demonstrated extraordinary leadership
0: to your
1: team, to your colleagues. And I I just want to talk about that a little bit because the show is about leadership. And it's the reason why I really wanted to talk to you. What does it look like to manage a team remotely during a pandemic?
0: Thank you for those kind words. I really appreciate it. Managing remotely brings a lot of challenges because you're not, you know, you're not physically with a person. You don't You're not able to always connect in the same way and get those nonverbal cues that you would get in the room with somebody. Having said that, during this time, I think I've also deepened my relationships with the people that I work with and manage. And I think really it comes down to recognizing that we're all people first at the beginning of the day and the end of the day. We're all people, we're all waking up and we're just doing the best that we can. And I think it's really just understanding that when the pandemic hit, I was facing my own struggles, right? And so I think a lot of that is being empathetic and understanding that people have a lot going on in their lives. As a manager, it's my job to support the people who I work with and the people on my team and really try to make their lives easier. People work harder and they're more committed to the work that they do when they realize that the people that they're working with care about them and understand that they're people with real challenges um, and everyone wants to succeed. Everyone wants to do their best work. And they just need the opportunity to be able to do that. So if someone can't work a nine to five, but you know, and they need a break in their day or they need a mental health day, sure, of course, right? Like they need support to be able to have successful lives. And with that comes a a successful work life where they care about what they do and really put their all into it.
1: I think that's great. And thank you for those examples. If people need to change their schedule, they need a break, they need a mental health day, these are great examples of the leadership that you've demonstrated that I've seen you do with your team. I'd love to just dig in even more here if we can. What does support look like for a team? A lot of leaders want to be supportive, but they also need to balance that with business goals. So how does one balance those things with the added layer of something like a pandemic on top of it. I, I'd really just want to take a moment and really think about that issue. Cause I think a lot of leaders could learn from you on how to balance those things.
0: Yeah. I think it comes down to communication and clarity. So for everyone on my team and Lawline is really good at setting up the structure. Everyone has a weekly coaching session, myself included. And Everyone is very clear on what their accountabilities and responsibilities are at the outset. So there's no question like what am I what am I doing today? What's my priority? And so in the weekly coaching sessions, we're really talking about progress towards those goals and working on talking through any obstacles that people are facing towards achieving those challenges. And that's really my role is listening very carefully, and seeing where I can help, um, you know, help someone break through some of those challenges that they're facing. So I think it's really listening, like active listening, hearing what someone is saying, and also not just providing the answer to someone, but empowering them and talking through with them how they can face their own challenges. And so once you have that clarity on what someone's expectations are and what they're expected to achieve, then that makes everything so much easier. Once we have that all laid out, it's really about results and not micromanaging. Like, I don't need to know what someone's doing every minute of every day, that's not what it's about, but are they achieving the results that we hope to see? And in every instance, yes, it is because we're meeting regularly. We're having conversations, we're talking through stocks, talking to each other as people with mutual respect. And so, you know, going back to those examples, if someone needs a flexible work schedule or they couldn't get child care on a certain day um, or whatever the situation is, that's fine. Like we're all people and it's about the results that they're able to to achieve at the end of the day.
1: So in a situation, for example, where you're seeing someone not achieving those results, that's when the coaching comes in and you're having those discussions, like you said, to help them with those obstacles and trying to get them to the result.
0: Yeah, that's right. And because we're meeting regularly and having those conversations, nothing is a... prize, right? You're never like, Oh, my God, how did this happen? (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, because you're engaging regularly. And so you're able to course correct before things really get off track. Or at a certain point, you know, maybe the expectations also need to be adjusted. Like maybe this benchmark we set needs to change. And that's okay, too. We know what our goals are. As a company, we know where we want to get. Um, But plans are also made to be revised sometimes. And, you know, as you start executing a plan, you realize, okay, this I can do, this is achievable. Maybe this benchmark was a little bit too high and we adjust over time. But because you're having those regular weekly coaching sessions, you always know what's happening. And I work really hard to create an environment where... We can have open conversations where if someone is having a challenge, they can just say, this is something I'm really stuck on. I can't figure this out Uh, or this really didn't go well (laughs) for me. And that's okay. We all have those challenges and we all have failures too, but it's, you know, if you're clear on what your expectations are and what you're supposed to achieve, then you're also able to know, okay, this isn't quite going the way I want it to, and then you can- Alter things as needed. How
1: do you create a safe environment?
0: I think one, it's demonstrating interest in someone as an individual, it's like asking someone without wanting anything from them or asking them to do something, how are you? Like something as simple as that and demonstrating, you know, that you you really care about people as individuals, you know, how so-and-so, how's your son or your daughter doing? Listening, right? Remembering what they tell you. And then next week, oh, how was that performance that they had at school? And you build trust over time. And I think when you have conversations and coaching, it's also making clear, like, these sessions are, they're not about someone ever getting in trouble or reprimanded or anything like that. It's really about working together towards a common goal, right? And if, if someone on my team succeeds, we all succeed. I am here to help my team members succeed. Then I succeed, the company succeeds. And that's really what it's about. And I will say that all the time. Like, how can I help you. What do you need to be able to get this done? But I think it's, it's about building that relationship and putting in time, building trust and having that place where anyone can understand like this is a safe space and that this time, this is me time. Like this is about me and and helping me. This is like my hour to shine and get the most out of what I do every day.
1: I really love this idea of really trying to engage your colleagues and your team members as real relationships that you're you're trying to nurture, not just because you can get something in return, but because you're working with this person every single day. You should know more than just what they do, but like who they are and what, what motivates them, what inspires them, what does their life look like? I mean, I know you and I... We share pictures of our kids all the time. That's the way we connect, right?
0: <laughs> and that's, and I think about like what I would want, right? Like, right, yeah. You know, it kind of goes back to the golden rule, like treat people how you want to be treated. Like I know I want to be treated with respect, right? And I want to know that, my supervisor cares about me and who I am. And yes, it's of course, it's still a a work environment, but we can work together in a way that supports each other and like helps us achieve our common goals.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for that. I have another question for you. What do you think is a common myth about legal education that you wanna debunk?
0: You know, I think probably one of the most common things is it's boring, it's, (laughs) (laughs) right? It's not interesting. I know before I learned about Lawline when I was practicing law, like, oh, here we go. (laughs) My CLE requirements coming up. And like, I dreaded it, right? Like it wasn't something I wanted to do. It was gonna take time out of my busy schedule. Like. I have calls with clients. I have a pleading I need to write. Like, I've got to draft this complaint. And like, I I don't have time for this. Why do I even need to do this? I'm practicing law every day. I went to law school. You know, I imagine that's how many of my attorney colleagues still feel. And we really try to get away from that. One, we create programming that attorneys need to know. So. It's not the, you know, oh, my God, this is something I have to, like, get through somehow in the next 60 minutes. But it's like, this is something you would want to watch anyway, even if it wasn't required for CLE, because it's so important to what you need to know. And so that's really the the myth that I, that I want to debunk with the programming that we create.
1: Tell me how... How do you measure that though, right? I know that you and your team are constantly trying to make it engaging, relevant, and that people are actually learning something at the end of it. You even said earlier, if they can take one thing and learn from it and help their client or help a colleague or help a friend, then you've done your job. But how do you measure that?
0: Yeah, I mean... One, we do measure it. We ask all of the people who are watching our courses what they think about the program they just saw, what they think about it overall. We ask, how likely are you to apply what you've learned from this course today? We ask them to rate our faculty and really every experience of every component of watching a program. And so we pay very, very close attention to the feedback we get and the ratings. So we are... Deeply engaged in our content, but it's what we hear from the people that are watching the programs, and that's what we uh, work hard for every day.
1: What advice would you give to other lawyers who are leading now or future leaders in the space? If there was one thing that they could take away from this whole conversation, what advice would you give?
0: Well, it's hard to say just one thing, Sagal, but I think I would say, listen listen to um, the people around you actively and hear what their needs are and struggles are and that has really helped me with listening to our lawline customers to understand what they need but also understanding the needs of the people who teach our courses and of course the people who I work with and manage and coach on a regular basis it's one of the most important things I've learned and learn, like to be humble and always be open to learning because there's just always room for improvement and doing better every day.
1: Two more questions before we end. What does leadership and legal mean to you?
0: I think leadership means innovation, constantly working to do better and improve and learning. There's always room for learning. I think if you're not learning anymore, you, you're you probably doing something wrong. You probably probably wanna reconsider that. And also making an impact on whatever it is that you're doing for the better, right? Always for the better on those around you. And as an attorney, on society at large, like that's what being a lawyer is about at the end of the day is achieving, and I know it sounds cliche, but it's about achieving justice, and that's why we all went to law school, and I think it's remembering that you know and remembering that we're all part of a of a shared community, and we all have a role to play in in doing better every day,
1: beautifully put. Angelica, if someone wanted to get in touch with you directly, how would they go about doing that?
0: Just shoot me an email. To, you know, I would love to hear from anyone that's listening. Um, if you want to learn more about me or Lawline, shoot me an email, um, com. And I'd love to hear from you.
1: Well, thank you so much for being a guest on Lawyers Who Lead, Angelica. It is Such a pleasure and such an honor to be able to interview you and to learn even deeper about what an extraordinary leader you are, both inside the organization, outside the organization.
0: Thank you. It's been an honor. I appreciate it. Thank you, leaders and
1: future leaders for listening today. We have a new guest every week, so don't forget to join us next week. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe or follow us anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also follow at Lawyers Who Lead on social, Let's celebrate and continue to build a community of leaders in law together. Lawyers Who Lead is made possible by Lawline, the leading online platform for lawyers who want engaging, relevant CLE and professional growth content. For over 20 years, Lawline has helped hundreds of thousands of attorneys level up by providing award-winning courses in hard-to-find areas and high-demand fields. They have so many courses to choose from that are actually really interesting to listen to and watch. That's why Lawline's rated the highest in the industry, with almost five stars and over a 1,000 verified reviews on Trustpilot. Lawyers who lead listeners get $100 off Lawline's unlimited annual subscription, which means you can take as many courses as you want for a really good price. Just visit lawline.com podcast to get the special offer. I've also linked it in the show notes. Check out Lawline for the best content for leaders and future leaders in legal.